Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mark. Cheers. Cheers, sir. All right, and we drink. Okay, and what are we what are we drinking? That's good, actually. Uh, this is a Bavarian. It's a German-style uh, wheat beer. It's a white wheat. Nice. Yeah. White white wheat. White wheat. Say that five times fast. I, I don't know if I can, but it is good, and it's the unfiltered, which I like. It gives it a little bit more thickness and body. I think. Nice. Yeah. Nice. All right. So and. Uh, there's going to be two Marks on here today, so sorry for all the, <laughs> the confusion. Mark squared here. Um, but other Mark. Um, so your first time on the show. Welcome. My first time. Thank you. Long time listener. First time caller. <laughs> there you go. I like that. And then, um, so tell us a little bit, like, first, first time on, ask you a little bit about your relationship with alcohol, maybe your history, kind of anything you might want to share there, so we kind of know where you're coming from. So my history with alcohol is unsophisticated as it as it can be. Uh, you know, we definitely have the old German lager, uh, German boy sitting on the counter that's usually warm until it goes in the freezer five minutes before. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I have an Akintosh in 10 that we really enjoy. And, you know, I think that alcohol is something to enhance food, which is why we're talking about charcuterie this week. So I'm ex- I'm excited to work on those those pairings with food to make food taste a little bit more exciting. Yeah, and I'm excited about this too because now I've I, I think I've actually kind of got this right. Chartout chart. Now I'm gonna, now I'm not going to get it right. Yeah. Charcuterie, right? Charcuterie. I thought it was charcuterie. Charcuterie. Cooter. You're right. Okay. So see, I already I knew I was going to get that wrong, and I was like, I'm going to get that wrong. So I practiced, and then I got it wrong anyway. So charcuterie. Yeah. Um, and you, you order it. I mean, it's on many menus, many places. I will say it was, we went to a play place uh, this morning for with our kids. They had it on the menu there, just a simple charcuterie plate. <laughs> That's great. So it, it's, it's everywhere these mm-hmm. days and growing. And one of the places I think I was first introduced to it um, was wine tasting and or, again, you're kind of out generally drinking type of wine bars, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and, and so I'd always kind of been interested in it, but knew very, very little about it. And yeah. then um, I found out you have some amateur dealings with or, or experimenting with experimenting. Yes. Um, and I think that's one of the other big things is charcuterie. So the origin, the original word for it just means cooked meat. Uh, that's where just the French term came from of cooked meat. And People just associated as meat and cheese. And that is what we have in front of us today that we're going to be sampling through a couple different real simple meats and cheeses. But it's also a much more expansive kind of appetizer that people can put out, whether it's just with drinks or just kind of a, an easy snack. But it's, it can be expansive and have fruits. It can have vegetables. It can have many, many pickled items. I've seen nuts, almonds. Yeah, definitely. In addition to those meats and cheeses. And they all bring their flavor components that you can pair well with alcohol. <laughs> and that's what we're all about. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and so I, I did a little bit of research into the entomology of the, the word. And it, it really is uh, cooked meat or cooked Pork, I think sometimes, but I also found a couple that referred to it as pork butcher shop. 
or cooked flesh, <laughs> which is I mean, so much more appealing, right? I'm like, so I'm glad we went with cooked meats. Yeah. Um, and now are they, um, well, first of all, I'm super excited because we have this out here and we're going to kind of talk about, um, again, kind of how you might set up one, design one, and then how, how you might pair with that is really kind of the journey we're going to go upon today. Um, but, uh, Tell me, I guess, a little bit about just uh, what, how did you kind of get into it? What's your kind of interest in it? Let's let's start there. My real interest uh, when I first moved from the Bay Area to Portland and I was living downtown uh, and I just found this fantastic little restaurant um, called Oven and Shaker. Um, and it's down in the Pearl District. I'm blanking on the street cross streets, but I'm sure we can put it in the description. Well, um, that's close enough to I mean, that's better than I would have gotten. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great restaurant, and we fell in love, and they do great pairings with um, House Spirits Distilling, which is another Portland-based small small batch distillery. And it's something they really focused was their pizzas called Oven. Uh, that's where their oven comes from, is they do have a great wood-fired oven. And they really talked about the meats that they were focusing in on. And from there, you stumble next door if you have it in you. <laughs> and there's uh, an amazing tapas bar where they're all charcuterie and they are all about the pairing. And so when I started to find that kind of connection between the two, I, I really started exploring and just kind of experimenting with uh, different pairings and really thinking about how to make it work with, uh, with the alcohol a little bit. Nice. Okay. All right. And so... It, so kind of tell me, let's start with a little bit about what we, we have on our, our thing here today. We're going to have to be descriptive and people, I'm sorry, we're going to, we're going to eat and it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, why don't we talk a little bit about, about that? And then we'll talk a little bit about how you might set up like your dream or, or maybe good ways to set one up. What, what's the, you know, I'm assuming there's some kind of method to the madness yeah. and then we'll go from there, but let's, that, yeah, let's start with what we have. All right. So what we have here today are two different sausages. Now, sausages are, are cool because basically they're, they're ground meat traditionally, and whether you emulsify them, which is how you blend the fat and the meat together, or they're kind of left in whole meat where they're just basically less, a little less blended, um, but they're also going to have added spices in. So I have a homemade summer sausage here that we did a, a quick one uh, that comes from foodwishes.com. Uh, Chef John is an amazing guy out of San Francisco. And this is his five-day summer sausage. So traditionally, this is something over winter that kind of the last of the beef would be put into. Um, and it's got real simple seasonings. It's mustard seed, um, some thyme, garlic, and celery, actually, uh, is what goes into, uh, into this, as well as smoked paprika, of course. Um, it's been about five days I've been working on this one. It's oh, wow. got a really nice texture. It's got a great aroma. Um, that smoked paprika is really fun. Um, now, real quick, so for five days, so like, I mean, tell me, because I'm, I'm like, that, that's a lot of time and work. And so, so like, I mean, you make it and it just sets for five days or, or what, what's, where's the five days come in? Okay, so first you have to make your binds, <clears throat> which is, you know, you take your ground beef, you're going to mix in your ingredients, your curing salts and your salts, um, and then all the seasonings. And you can really kind of play with the seasonings you want to put in. And then you just let it sit. Uh, and it sits in the fridge for two days, just 
chilling. You've shaped it into its its final form, and it's just it's just hanging out. Okay. The salt is starting to break down some of the structure of the sausage, and it's kind of artificially um, just kind of stopping the meat and kind of helping it blend a little bit together. Okay. And then on the on the third day, you're gonna give another squeeze, get it really tight, so you get that emulsification. And then the the hack that I did is I did not smoke it in a smoker, which you definitely can do, bring it up to 150. But what uh, the fun hack is, I rubbed it down with a nice scotch. Oh. Um, a nice PD scotch, because I had to artificially bring in that smoke flavor that I don't have, because I don't have a smoker. So kind of just give it a quick little wipe down in scotch, and then we That's put it in. a fun way to do it, I like that. Yeah, you know, and again, we're gonna have we can have a little sip of that scotch and think about that relationship when we when we sample on it. Um, but yeah, so it sits in the the oven real low for about an hour, trying really hard not to let it get too hot, just nice and cooked, and then it goes right back into the fridge once it's cool. Yeah, and you don't get it too hot because if I'm understand correctly, that melts the fats and mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? Which is bad. Yeah, yeah, you'll render it out and you'll lose that that extra flavor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So five days on that. So I'm, I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's, it, and then it sat, so it cooked for, it sat for two days um, and then it cooled for actually another two days. Uh, and then that brought us to this morning where then it was uncovered and we kind of, kind of dry it out, rub some black pepper on the outside and kind of let that crust really kind of form up nicely. Awesome. So yeah, so that's our, that's our quick summer sausage. Normally that process would have been, elongated over the entire winter and then we would, we would have smoked them and got after the months. Well, and that's what I find interesting from what I've learned too about a summer sausage is, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I, I say I've learned, this is pulling it out of my head, <laughs> um, is, uh, I mean, it's something you generally, is it prepare over winter or eat over winter? I just know that it, it it's called a summer sausage, but it's traditionally not something I would associate with summer. Is that correct? From what I understood, it is something you would enjoy over summer, but it's prepared all winter long. Okay, and then and that's why it's summer because you prepare. I like I said I, that's why I thought it was there's something opposite about it. You prepare it over the winter so you can eat it in the summer. Yeah, so if uh, it's just kind of the leftover. It was a good way to use leftover meat that needed to be stored because you know the Romans are who started this way back, even before the French were making it beautiful. The Romans were taking the meat, they were dry aging it, they were finding all the great ways to save. Um, their meats and be able to transport. Yeah, and actually I did read somewhere that that um, they had a lot of laws, especially around pork, and that it was illegal to sell uncooked pork. And because of that, that's kind of how a lot of the drying of the meats and, and uh, things, because then it's technically, I guess, or smoked down or whatever. At that point, it's technically cooked. It's mm -hmm. not raw. Yeah. Um, and so they're able to do more fun stuff with it. So fun, fun internet fact, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Yeah, Okay, cool. So that's one. And then what else have we got here? So that's one. And then we have uh, a store premiered one. Then we have the uh, Cremonelli. This is their pork sausage. And what you can really see when, you, when you're looking at this sausage is they haven't fully emulsified it. So when you look at your sausage, you can see those white fat bits. Mm -hmm. And you can also see the red meat bits. And so it just means it's been a little less processed. Um, they haven't put quite as much seasoning in it. But again, one of the tricks that they did was they gave it a whiskey wash as well. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I kind of went with these these two meats, hoping that that alcohol 
angle kind of tie them together a little bit to kind of help bring something together on the plate. Okay, nice. Yeah. And then it's accompanied by, again, so so the real focus of a charcuterie, I got that. Charcuterie. Uh, um, charcuterie is the meat, right? I mean, that's the primary thing. And then everything else is kind of complementing it. Would that be? I think that's a, that's a fair assumption to say. I mean, also you have to think about all of your guests and, you know, it's always nice. We're up here in Portland. So, you know, you got to have your, vegan options or vegetarian options. Yep. So I think charcuterie plate is a really fun place to do that. But yeah, I think meets the center stage. And actually now that I think about it, I think it's being used a lot more loosely, as like I said, as you're seeing it more and more places. Cause I want to say I was at a restaurant and they had a meat charcuter charcuterie. <laughs> I'll get there eventually. And they had a cheese charcuterie, which mm. I think technically by definition, there's there's no you know, cooked meats right. or, or anything in there. So that's, again, I think it's maybe a little bit more loosely used, but that's okay. Can we, can we try some of these now or do we have to wait? And go ahead. All right. Um, you can, you can start summer sausage or you can go with the, uh, the whiskey pork. I'm starting with the summer sausage because it's, ooh, oh, that's really good. Well, thank you. That's really good. So, um, wow. And so, okay. Wow. I'm like blown away. I'm like, that's good. That's like some, um, I, I would pay for that. <laughs> um, and so you made it at home. So what's the, the the meat that's in that? This is just a beef sausage. Okay. Yeah, just like traditional summer sausage. Um, just it's just your ground beef, eighty five fifteen, nice and simple. Um, and I really think that the the major flavor is I might have gone a little heavy handed with smoked paprika, but I think that that and the mustard seed really come through pretty well. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to have another piece so I can judge that appropriately. That's not not because it's so good. Yeah, and and again, you know, the 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 beer we're having is it's a it's a white wheat, um, and it's it's simple. It's got some great flavor in it, but I think the the wheat really pairs well. And as I was talking with a couple of different, um, you know, meat counter experts at a couple of the stores around here, and they always directed me to the German. German white wheat. It was almost unanimous, and I think it pairs really well just because of it's a it's full body, but it's not crazy flavor. And when you think about having steak with dinner, you might go with a red wine. But I think that when it's when you're focusing kind of on the subtleties of the meat instead of just a piece of meat, um, white wheat is it's a nice simple one. It works well. Yeah, and it does. It tastes really good. So a couple of quick comments. First of all, that there was nothing smoked on there. That was just the the rubbing of the whiskey. Yep. And that's got a good smoked flavor. So that definitely worked. Um, and then what I like about what we're doing today, and, and I was hoping we were going to do, is traditionally a lot of people want to pair a char charcuterie. I, don't, I always want to say tutory. I, I don't know, know why. <laughs> it's like it's there. A charcuterie um, with wine. And, you know, pinots are kind of a good one. Um, mm -hmm. Again, depending on what it is, you might go with a, if it's a little bit more meatier plate, you might go with like your cabs or something like that. If it's a little bit more fruitier, cheesier, you go with some of the whites or whatever. But I, I think that they could and should be paired with other things. So we're pairing it right now with like this, like you said, the, the white wheat, white wheat beer. White wheat. <laughs> um, and, th and that's a, it was a perfect complement to the, at least the summer sausage. I'm going to try the other one, which is the, what is this one? The That is the pork uncured Italian salami. Okay. And I'm going to taste it with the, uh, with the beer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an excellent compliment. I mean, that's a, that's a, you can pair this with anything beers and, and we've got, well, and 
Well, actually, no, we're going to talk about some of the pairings in a minute. Let's, let's get to how do you design a board? How do we design a board? Or what's your kind of thoughts behind it? Or, or what advice would you give to someone in, in setting up? I, I've got a party coming up and I'm, I'm calling you up because you're my charcuterie guy. And I'm like, Mark, I got a party coming up. What do I do? And it can be, I mean, there's, there's going to be some basic advice in there because I know very little. Um, and then maybe give me a couple good tips or hacks that you might have. So obviously the, the fun part about the board is you can put what you like first and forward on it. Um, but also you can just try new things because as it's designed, they're just small appetizers and there's lots of options. And there's also crazy combinations that people will start to build as you bring in your, your fruit jellies or just plain pieces of fruit or different sauces. Um, you know, people will make their combinations and make their experience on your board as you want. You know, we have two meats, actually three cheeses, and some basic Ritz crackers. You can't um, go wrong with a good Ritz cracker. <laughs> you know, it's they're they're fun and they they work well with just about everything. They're a very simple but buttery flavor. So yeah. But anyways, so when you when you are thinking about what you want, you know, there's there's so many different ways to take it. You know, you can get your basic pepperoni and salami from the cold case that's already prepackaged, and that's going to be. That is, that is a good start to a charcuterie board where you just have some good cured meats. Um, About as fancy as I think I've ever gotten right there. <laughs> right? Although, actually, no, I take that back. I was in England a year or two ago, and we were at a market, and they had some really good meat. So I brought some back, and I, I don't know if I actually did a charcuterie board for it, but I sliced them up and shared them with family and friends, which mm -hmm. was a lot of fun. But I, I haven't gone much beyond that. But, okay, so so... I'm sorry, go ahead, basic meats. Basic meats, and then I really like cheese, so mm -hmm. I have to have a, a cheese or two on my board. And again, almost as endless as a type of red wine, there is cheese. We have three cheeses on here. We have a, a cow's milk triple cream um, brie, which is ridiculous, and it's got, brings lots of its own flavor. Keep talking, I'm going to have some. <laughs> um, we have the Cypress Grove uh, Lamb Chopper, which is a hilarious name. Um, and the picture is even better on the, the wrapper. Okay, hold and, on, I'm eating right now. But Lamb Chopper, so is that a lamb cheese? or This is a, yes, it is a lamb cheese. And a little lamb is riding <laughs> on its motorcycle, bringing it to you. That is a lamb chopper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then we also have a, a sheep's milk cheese right over here. Now, myself personally, um, I think that, you know, lamb, lamb cheese is not overly pungent. It's not too strong, uh, but it does have just some different notes and nuttiness that you don't get from a basic cow's milk cheese. For me, the sheep's milk cheese is really what brings in a very different flavor um, that I hadn't, that I don't feel like you experience as much. Okay, so real quick, so a sheep and a lamb, right? So I mean, basically, it's adult versus young. Is yeah. that okay? Mm -hmm. So it's just an older, it's an older milk, older milk or older well, animals milk. Yes. Okay. There we go. Got it. Okay, and I think this one was this one right here was that the lamb. That is the lamb chopper. Okay, I'm trying the lamb chopper, and that's good. And now I'm going to try the sheep so I can compare them. And by the way, that 
brie was amazing. You weren't kidding. That was a really good brie. Um, what what kind of what was the brie? It is yes. I don't seem to have the name, and I'm not. I'm unable to. You can try to pronounce the sheep's milk cheese if you'd like to. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Okay, so yeah, this Go is. For it, man. Oh, that you really okay? You really want me to pronounce the sheep's? Um, okay. Gabito Hermans Affinage. Sure. Um, that's probably not even close. Um, well, they're all really, really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the, so that's kind of that's kind of the basic. And you know, the nice thing is, this, as the the counters pop up at your local grocery stores that have kind of the nicer cheese, they really, you know, because cheese is. I think one of these is about twenty five or thirty five dollars a pound. Oh wow! But they sell them in, I think, a sixteenth. So you know, it really gives it kind of cuts it down and allows you to try more. So it's a two dollar wedge, and you get to have a couple different, more fun flavors. So don't lock yourself in on just two cheeses of you know a quarter pound each. That's ridiculous. You know, just get a couple smaller options, and then you'll have some, some more adventures. Well, and I think for me. I avoided um, charcuterie boards uh, or appetizers or or because they're generally like a smaller plate that mm-hmm. either complement something or again it's an appetizer to put out at a party. But I'd always kind of avoided them because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie, there's not a lot of food usually on the on on the plate, right? And there's there's like only a couple ounces of each kind of meat, and they're sliced really thin, and so they're putting that down, and I'm like, yeah, I'm eating that whole plate in like thirty <laughs> seconds, and and then that's just me, right? Um, but what I have learned is, um, they're, they're, they're supposed to be that way. It is just an, an, an appetizer and it's tasting and you don't need, like you said, you can get the, the smallest sliver of cheese. And when you go up to it, you don't need to cut a giant chunk off the cheese. You just, you take a nice little sliver and you really, I think most of them, if it's well chosen or chosen, chosen, well, however, well, you, chosen. well chosen, um, like like that brie. I mean, you don't need a lot of that. It's got a great flavor, and you put a little bit on there, and then you can enjoy, and everybody can kind of enjoy it. And it, I think maybe that's it. As I'm thinking about it, it really comes down to just the flavor, and you're experiencing the flavors. You're not getting volume in your mouth. Right. <laughs> you know, you're not filling the tummy. You're experiencing the flavors. Yeah, yeah. So that and that's like I said, I'd, I'd kind of avoided them, but now I can actually appreciate them, um, and and know that more as long as more food's coming. Exactly. <laughs> Or, you know, just a, a larger plate. And that's when you have, as you call it, the, the workhorse, you know, items where the, the filling items or, you know, your fruits. Everyone loves apples and cheese. That's yes. Nice. That's a great pairing to always be able to go with. And, you know, when you bring in apples and pears and you have kind of that, that stone, that stone fruit there, or not stone fruit, sorry, but just that sort of fruit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and the breads and crackers, right? Mm-hmm. Um those those give you a little bit more filling and uh, and and I guess more filling. Yeah, more filling and also just more combinations and, and easy combinations. You know, you can you can get a local artisan bread and slice it real thin. You can get some rye chips, or you can get your rich crackers, and that's a going to stretch your plate a little bit, and b it's just going to be more fun combinations that you can make. So you it's really fun being as creative as you want with these boards, you know, then you start talking about the nuts and, you know, we have, you know, just unsalted walnuts that we love to put on these boards, but you know, just as much, you could go spice nuts, holidays, you know, spice nuts are always popular and fun. Yep. 
I'm having some more brie here. Go ahead. It's good. <laughs> it's very good. Um, I can't. I can't just let it sit there. Um, okay. So nuts. Yeah. So and and uh, yeah, I think that's all delicious. So what would we now? I guess that's so. I, I, again, pairing kind of is going to depend on what you put on the plate to a degree, right? right. So, um, like, and what you're doing is you're pouring a little. I am. Would you like a rinse, or are you going to be all right? Um, I'm all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. So what I am, I'm just, I'm just tossing you a little bit of the uh, the Akintoshins, the Akintoshin Ten, um, and basically this is something that I thought would be fun. It's it's on the summer sausage as I mentioned before, and then again the. Pork salami is has a whiskey kind of base there as well, so that might be a fun little pairing. Yeah, definitely. And so, cheers. <laughs> so you get a lot of smokiness from that right there. And yes. then you go in and you grab some summer sausage, and you know the nice thing is it is red meat, so it still holds up well to a glass of scotch. Oh, that complements it very well. Mm-hmm. Again, might be just because you rubbed it on there, but I would imagine again, even if. I guess that's kind of comes to the pairing, though. If you know you're going to have a smokier meat, you want a smokier scotch. Yeah. Okay. It's able to stand up. And, you know, if we had if we had heavier fruits, again, our white wine might be our better our better choice. But I really do like the scotch. Oh, this is a good scotch. I'm actually impressed with this. It's um, What's this one? It's called Akintoshin. Akintoshin. I kind of like the name, too. It's fun it to is, say. It's a fun name. <laughs> And I'm sure that if, if this does make it over across the pond, they will correct. But speaking of earlier, you know, liquor stories, I don't know how I went with my family, but I had just turned 21, might have been 22, but I still think I was doing my 21. Mm-hmm. And my dad won this tour of Scotland without leaving your house. Oh, I was all like, wow, that's a trip to Scotland. And then you throw in the without leaving your house. <laughs> and so we went, we went, well, I guess we did leave our house. We went to a friend's house just down the street. And he had an amazing array of scotches lined up on his counter. And he had a map of Scotland. And as everyone's, as you guys have talked about before, you know, just kind of go through the highlands and, and all the different spots. And I think that was why my still go-to drink is whiskey. And I kind of a little thought back as I was pairing today up because scotch is still one of my favorites. Yeah, and that's a fun um, that's a fun way to bring that in there. And I kind of like that idea actually. And and I and again we did one on whiskey, bourbon, and scotch, mm-hmm. but I actually want to dive in deeper just to scotch, just to bourbon, just to, you know, just to whiskey, because you can do a ton on that. Oh yeah. But I like that that the way you're talking about doing that. So you know, looking at the map tasting it, noticing the difference, because there is going to be a distinct difference between the scotch based on where it's done. And that's because of how it's aged. Like I know the space side, if I'm correct, is is done right by the sea. And so um, you get a lot of those sea flavors, you know, you can actually taste a little bit of the, the water. Yeah, 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 that in there, as opposed to, again, you get to a slightly different area, um, you're going to get more of the regional flavors, I guess, as, as those barrels age. That's awesome. Okay, and then we also have a little bit of gin. And again, this is why I love talking about, and the way we're doing this today is because, you know, wine works. And if you're pairing with wine, you stick with the pretty usual, again, your fruity, um, lighter stuff is with your whiter wines, your, um, 
you know, your, your Pinot kind of matches most things or a rosé, you know, kind of if you want to walk the line a little bit. And then if you're having a heavier, meatier, um, I guess a lot of strong cheeses, that's where you can go with your reds and your cabs and, and stronger reds and cabs. Yeah. But don't stick with that. Go to other things. So the reason you pulled out the gin was... Okay, now here's my turn to pronounce the word. Bauernischnicken. Ooh. <laughs> Bauernischnicken. And I'm probably butchering that, but I think I did pretty well. I'm impressed. Is a juniper-smoked uh, ham. And basically, mm. then, it, then it's cured. So they, they smoke it, and then it cures. Um, but they use juniper wood for that. And juniper berry is actually something that creeps up quite often in a lot of the sausages as well as cured meats um, that, that we were researching. I think that's one of the fun things about this isn't just a hunk of beef. You know, Kobe is amazing. And the history between your steak and, you know, where it started out in the cow is amazing. But the charcuterie is also very different from how it was kind of blended. And the juniper berry is something that apparently is very popular. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, juniper berry lends itself very, or lends its flavor to gin quite often. Yeah. And while I am not a gin drinker, and you mentioned that you're not a gin drinker, I said, well, you know, we could at least try it, even though we don't have anything overly ginny on this table here. Um, it is, it's a recommendation. Well, and it makes sense because I, I mean, you either want to complement or contrast the flavors, right? Mm-hmm. And so if, if you're having a lot of the hints of juniper, so it's nothing's overwhelming, right? Then a, then a gin with the hints of juniper complements it well. Mm-hmm. All right, cheers. cheers. All right, we're trying the gin. Okay. And then now we're going to try a little bit of, uh, try a little, let's try summer sausage because that was really good. You made that and you done well. Um, and that with the gin and then a piece of a um, little lamb cheese. This is a lamb chopper. Mm. And another fun thing with gin is the infusing of really herbal notes. Um, I've, I've been, I've practiced a lot in the past with infusing vodkas and gins. And if you, you know, you can really add in the, the far more savory notes. So basil, thyme, those are things that will work really well with your gin. And you don't even do a full infusing, like it's fun to do with vodka. You can just throw, you know, a couple of sprigs of basil, or sorry, a couple of pieces of leaves of basil in your shaker, shake it up, either pour it over ice, something real simple, give your gin even more depth of flavor and really kind of look for those complementary pairings to the items on your board. Yeah, and I like that. And, and I gotta say too, I mean, we were just both, as we we're both mentioning, neither one of us are, are huge gin drinkers in general, but now that when I'm pairing it like this, that adds that element to the gin and I'm actually really enjoying the gin yeah. um, with the, with a little bit of the cheese and the sausage with it. So I may, I may have found a, a love of gin when I'm eating cheese and sausage. Acceptable <laughs> place for the gin. Yeah. And you know, that's where, that's where the whole sampling comes from. So it's just a good array of, I think really kind of neutral, lighter flavors um, on the, in the, in the glass. And stronger flavors on the on the plate is really gonna they, they work well together. Actually, I like that. I like that. So there you go. Um, that, there's your perfect pairing advice right there. Um, 
So now I did a little also quick looking at how to eat a charcuterie just mm -hmm. because, again, in addition to looking at it and saying that's not food, <laughs> I want something with, with more substance before I realized, again, that, that the flavors are just phenomenal. You just enjoy that. But also, I wasn't quite sure how to attack the plate, <laughs> if you will. And so... I looked at it a little bit and I, I did a couple of researches. And um, if you are across the pond or pretty much Europe, any place over that direction, um, it's a fork and a knife kind of a thing, as are many things. I actually learned that the hard way. I was in uh, uh, Switzerland, actually, and I ordered a hamburger. And I'm sitting there with both hands just gnawing into the thing like, you know, you're good old. American. <laughs> and all of a sudden I look around and all the other tables, everyone's got their knives and their forks. And I also, I just gently set it down, <laughs> cleaned my hands, and then I went to the knife and fork. So, so I learned that, uh, yeah, that's not the best etiquette. And I learned okay. that unfortunately by being a exam bad example. Uh, in America, we are a little looser, so it is okay to use your fingers. I mean, obviously, ideally not on the plate. Right. <laughs> um, but to, to use your fingers to eat them with. But again, it's it's really just a matter of, you know, take a little of this, take a little bit of that, try a little of this. Um, and it's okay to apparently, which I was, I always wasn't sure if this was a faux pas, but several places that I looked at said it's okay to build yourself a little, you know, cracker, cheese, oh. meat kind of a sandwich thing out of it. And I always thought, is that poor form? Oh, get crazy. Really, really, really mix the things up. And, you know, because... You know, the, one of my f other favorite things that we don't have to put for today are the jellies. Yes. You know, whether it's a spicy or a sweet, you know, whether it's like a tomato relish. There's so many different types of jellies, and those those are just begging to be mixed in some, some way in a new crazy thing that only you, since your last half time at you had a Lunchable, <laughs> think of the crazy combinations. Um, you know, they're, they're adult Lunchables. How's that? Adult Lunchables. I like, I do like that. That actually works for me. Because one of the, my favorite things that I forgot about is, you know, we have been eating charcuterie all our lives because your basic hot dog is a form of cured meat. Um, you know, that mm. emulsified hot dog, which luckily we know what goes into it a little bit better these days. <laughs> um, but, you know, that is, that is a form of charcuterie. So when we were having those, those Lunchables, we were pre-charcuter training. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure a French chef is going to agree <laughs> with you on that, <laughs> or maybe anybody from the country. But that said, there's definitely some wisdom in that. And, and I remember growing up, we used to love, we'd have cheese and crackers and stuff for dinner. My parents mm -hmm. would throw out, like you said, and, and I mean, we were classy with the bologna yeah. and the, you know, um, American slices and, and, and Ritz crackers. But Again, it is kind of that pre-training for it. So I'm just glad to know that I don't have to, um, I, I can just let loose a little bit and dig in there now and I don't have to feel bad about it. Can I just tell you that one of my favorite websites from Food Republic, bologna is on their list of cured meats that you have to know. See, I always knew my family was classy. You know? Actually, anybody who knows my family knows we're not classy. But I like that 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 bologna actually sh it actually shows up on the list. Bologna makes and so does mortadella, which is one of those like old school meats. But uh -huh. yes, you know, they're fun. All right. Well, do you have anything to anything else to add? Any parting words of wisdom for the charcuterie 
uh, wannabe aficionado and or pairings? Oh my goodness. I mean, there's so much we could talk about. We we talked about looking I really like looking at sausages because you get way kind of more flavors brought in, but you know, your smoked and whole meats that are cured over winter and left hanging, this whole muscle. Oh, and they're sliced super thin. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, really that's cool. your prosciutto, bacon, speck. Um, you know, they're all that's its own world. And then you have your pâtés and your riettes, um, which, you know, have their own way of processing and then preserving an oil, uh, which was how they, they kept those going. They bring their, you know, the duck riettes, which are just amazing. And so I actually had some of that recently and it was really good. Right. Um, so my recommendation is if you are thinking about trying a charcuterie board, start with the salamis. They're easy. People know them. They're not terribly foreign. People are afraid of pate. They, you know, foie gras might still be illegal in California. I can't remember where that stands. <laughs> but, you know, so so try try something familiar, but also be adventurous with it. Build your crazy um, stacks of fruits and cheeses and nuts and just look at flavor combinations and then try them with equally crazy combinations of, well, not combinations of alcohol, but, <laughs> you know, pairings with alcohol and enjoy. Yeah. And I think that this is one of those things that a lot like wines and other things that that most people don't, I think, either don't know that much or aren't going to judge you as harsh as you think. So feel free to experiment. Right. Don't be afraid to just have some fun with it. And and who cares what people say or think, because you're going to learn along the way and you're going to have fun and you're going to eat some good food. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I like it. Um, Thank you very much. This was tons of fun. It was tons of fun for me, too. Uh, so for more information on anything uh, that we talked about today, if you want to contact us on the website, uh, that's all at www.theunsophisticatedpalette.com. Please tell your friends and family that helps people learn about us and helps get the podcast out there, which is a good thing for us all. And until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Now making me another one of those little...